Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Tuesday, December the 13th, 2022. I hope that everybody is doing fantastic on this cold, cold morning. At least it's cold where I am. Um, but it is a blessing to have a nice warm house and electricity and heat and all of those things, which are uh, modern conveniences that are really wonderful things. So, uh, it's good to be with y'all this morning. I hope that as uh, we're getting closer and closer to the big day that you find yourself being able to take the time or excuse me, not be able, you are able, I am able, but that you find yourself taking the time to dwell on the fullness of Christ, to dwell on the promises of God, to spend that time in his word that he has called on us to spend, but also to spend that time in prayer that is our grand privilege. Don't get so caught up in life. Don't get so focused on the components of the things going on around you that you miss the opportunity to dwell and rest in the Lord. Now, certainly that applies also to taking this time together, and I'm glad that you are here and that I am here. Um, and in just a moment, I'll pray that the Lord would bless this time. But first, by way of review, we're going through John. Right. Gospel according to John, we're in chapter 16. We're making our way through chapter 16, and we made it pretty much up to verse 8 yesterday. With the reminder from Jesus, you know, where we started was verse 5, where Jesus talks about the fact, yet again, that he is going to be ascending back into heaven. After he's crucified, he's going to rise again, and he's going to ascend into heaven. And he mentions the fact that he knows the disciples are distraught over this, and he simply says, yet, yeah, and this is verse 5, now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Right? Jesus points to the necessity for his disciples, by extension, the necessity for you and me to be heaven minded to keep our mindset on things above not on things below and then jesus gives this wonderful promise in fact he says in verse seven but i tell you the truth it's for your good that i'm going away unless i go away the counselor will not come to you but if i go i will send him to you now that's remember counselor there should be read in in terms of law right the counselor not not somebody you go to for counseling does the Holy Spirit help with, with grief and comfort? And, and is he the comforter? Yes. But he's also our counselor, our advocate, our representative before God. And yes, the old saying applies there. You know what the old saying is about serving as your own advocate, your own counselor, your own lawyer. The old saying is the man who serves as his own lawyer has a fool for a client. You get it? Right. If you think that you will be your own counselor, your own advocate, your own lawyer, you can do that. But you have a fool for a client. Y'all, that is true in a modern day court of law. But it is especially true in terms of our heavenly court, because y'all countless places in God's word bring up the fact that one day we will stand before God and we'll have to give an account. And that accounting will either be by you alone based on the works of your life alone or that accounting will be done by the holy spirit who is your counselor 
your advocate by Jesus Christ, God the Son, who according to Romans 8.34 is seated at God's right hand, interceding on your behalf as your mediator. And your works will either be yours or it will be the perfect righteousness of Christ that is on trial. So because of that, oh, uh, <laughs> again, if you think that you can serve yourself in that aspect, then you can't. We need the Holy Spirit desperately. But the Holy Spirit is not just for what happens one day when we die. The Holy Spirit is for today, right now, in very real ways. And that's what we're focusing on today. So let me pray, and then we will dig in and see what the Holy Spirit's doing with the world and what the Holy Spirit is doing with God's people, too. Let's start with prayer. Our Father, please be with us in this time as we come um, to your word now. We need your help. Help us to see the truth of what is going on, not only in your world, in your word, but in your world around us. Let us see that you are good to your word and that there is evidence that what we're about to read is taking place this very moment. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, for what the Spirit does in the world, for what the Spirit does in your people. Give us grateful hearts, and now give us an ear to hear, eyes that can see, and a heart that is open to the truth of your word and the conviction of your spirit. Please guide us now, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so yesterday, yet again, all right, yet again, we got the promise of the Holy Spirit. But what does the Holy Spirit do? We heard the term counselor, that's true. But the Holy Spirit is also at work in the world around you. How so? Verse 8, now this is Jesus speaking. Remember, picking up in John 16, 8, Jesus is speaking, and he's going to say he, and the he he's referring to is the Spirit. Which, side note, before we even read anything, there's some wacky stuff out there, y'all. I mean, there's some wacky stuff. It was several years ago, one of the mainline denominations approved the language. Instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they approved the, ter the terms mother, womb, and child. Right. Not only is that absolutely heretical and contrary to what God's word says, it's just silly. But that's neither here nor there. It's like I don't remember. Um, where was it? Oh, I can't remember where it was. It wasn't too long ago. I think it might have been a prayer for Congress and they brought some joker in and he prayed amen and ah women which shows stupidity on multiple levels for his part. And not, I mean, because that's not, amen has nothing to do with the masculine, but whatever, you know, don't fall into this stuff. You know, the Holy Spirit is a spirit, but the Holy Spirit is he, all right? The Holy Spirit is he, as we're about to read, because Jesus says, when he comes, he being the Holy Spirit, being the counselor, that's the term we just used. When he comes, what's he going to do? Well, Jesus starts with focusing on what the Holy Spirit does in the world. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. No. Now, this might be shocking to you because there are some that, that take the Holy Spirit, the concept of the Holy Spirit, and apply it in all sorts of ways. But the idea of conviction is not typically one of those ways for some people. But he says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And he gets specific. Verse 9, in regard to sin, the Holy Spirit's going to convict 
because men do not believe in me. All right, that's easy enough to understand. And in regard to righteousness, the Holy Spirit is going to convict. This is verse 10, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. All right. And in regard to judgment, verse 11, the Holy Spirit is going to convict because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Y'all, there's a reason why I said that term counselor should be viewed in a judicial sense, okay? It's not only that the Holy Spirit is the lawyer, the advocate um, between God's people and God. The Holy Spirit is also the prosecuting attorney, right? He's the prosecutor in this case that the Lord is working out here. And it flat out says all the things that the Holy Spirit's going to do. In essence, what the Holy Spirit does is point out the guilt of the world. The world knows, y'all. That's why in Romans 1, Paul talks about how nobody has an excuse because we all know, uh, we don't know the intricacies of God's law, but God's law is written on our heart. We can look at creation even on a cloudy morning like today. Even looking at the clouds, you can look at creation and appreciate the fact that there is a creator. You know that there is a God. Job talks about how the animals know that there is a God, right? We know there's a God. We know that he's holy. We know that we owe him our allegiance and, and that we belong to him. And yet we turn from him naturally as the world turns. The world turns from God. So the Holy Spirit comes first to convict, right? And Jesus says in verse 12, it, he doesn't even get into everything that the Holy Spirit does at that point. Instead, in verse 12, he sort of switches and he says, I have much to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So it's fascinating there. The first thing the Holy Spirit's coming to do is to convict the world around you. Guys, remember that that's how truth works. It says then that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is truthful. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit just tells the truth. It means that the Spirit is truth in substance, in the fabric of the Holy Spirit's being. It is the fullness of all truth for all time and for God's people. Oh, that's marvelous. It shores us up. The Holy Spirit leads us in truth, leads us in understanding, is our guide as we process the world around us. But y'all, the purpose of telling the truth is always twofold. The first is what the Holy Spirit does with us. This concept that Jesus just relayed, that the Holy Spirit will guide you when he comes, verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And then he says, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Y'all, that's the first function of truth. The first function of truth is to change hearts, to illuminate, to provide wonderful information, and to guide, right? But that's not the only purpose of truth. In the same way that truth is to guide those who have eyes that can see and ears that will hear, truth also serves as an indictment. Truth also serves to convict. Truth also serves as evidence on the last day. And no one can deny knowing the truth. It's like getting pulled over out here on 81 
that speed limit sign is not only to make us say, all right, I need to slow it down. I know the speed at which I can travel safely. That speed limit sign is also for the police officer to point to and say, you knew what the speed limit was and yet you broke it. And now therefore you have to pay the penalty. To that end, consider how Jesus continues. He says in verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Y'all, the whole glory concept is one that can be difficult for us, especially in light of what I'm telling you about the purpose of truth. The truth is to change hearts, but also to convict and to condemn, to serve as evidence of the last day. How will this glorify God? Well, it's simple, y'all. Look at, look at all the metaphors that God uses. Look at, at the reality of how his glory works. When someone comes to know the Lord, there is glory in that because that person is transformed and snatched away from hell. But when someone refuses to follow the truth, rejects the Holy Spirit, blasphemes the Holy Spirit, right? The unforgivable sin. When that individual turns away, God is still glorified because justice is served. And the Holy Spirit leaves no room for anyone to hide from justice. And it will be either justice that was paid for by Christ or justice that will be paid for by you for all eternity. That is the grand separator of humanity. That is the one categorization that matters in this world. We divide things up so much. Do you root for this sports fan, sports team? Do you have this kind of vehicle, drive that color tractor, you know, vote this way in the, in the primaries? You know, vegan, uh, carnivore. We, we divide so many facets of life into so many subsections. The only division that really matters is this. Are you covered by the blood of Jesus Christ or are you not? Has the Holy Spirit convicted your heart of the truth and you have responded to it by belief in Christ? Or have you rejected it? That's really the only divider in humanity that matters. And no matter which one you are, it will bring glory to God, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will bring good to you. If you know Jesus Christ, then yes, absolutely, there is good for you. There's the best for you, because if you know Jesus, God's doing the very best thing for you that he can. You're dying unto yourself, and you're living more and more unto Christ. He's changing you so that you will be more like him. That's the best thing God can do, because there's nobody better than God. But if you don't know him, all of the truth, all of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're now 2,000 years into the testimony of the church. Do you realize that? All of the truth, the spreading of the gospel, the availability of God's word. Think about the horrors committed in hotel rooms. And so many of them have a copy of God's word in the nightstand. All of this truth serves to convict as well. And God will be glorified. Jesus says in verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Jesus is claiming dominion here, y'all. 
He says in verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And then he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. Jesus claims full dominion over all things, and he shows us the glory of knowing him and that we're not treated as slaves, we're not treated just as servants, we're brothers with him. That's what he talked about um, back in verse 15. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. He said that in 1515. Fast forward to 1615. And he once again conveys this idea that everything is ours, but all because of him. Now to the disciples, he closes this little portion of saying in verse 16, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Don't read too much into this. There are those that are saying, okay, well, what's he talking about here? Is this talking about, you know, his uh, ascension back into heaven and then his second coming? Is that what this is? You know, this is a play on words, really, right? And it can point to those things. But the most basic understanding of this is that he's talking about the fact that he's about to be arrested and crucified and he's going to die. And they're not going to see him. But in three days, he's going to rise again and they are going to see him. But y'all, we can apply that same principle to him coming back. All of this teaching on what the Holy Spirit does, right? All of this truth that is conveyed here about the Holy Spirit being our counselor, being the truth, guiding us in the truth. We should keep in mind about all of these things, that it is true that Jesus is seated at God's right hand, but it is true that he's coming back. And when he comes back, will there be joy? Oh, yes, absolutely. Will there be glory? Without a doubt. But take all of the different metaphors that Jesus uses. Take all of the different parables that he gives. Take all of the basic teachings that he conveys. He's the Lord of the harvest, y'all. And when he comes back, he will separate the wheat from the tares. He's the good shepherd. And when he comes back, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Y'all, this is a promise that he has given, but it is also a stark warning. Truth can never be ignored. You will either be transformed by it or be contentious toward it. Embrace the truth. Embrace the gift of the Spirit that you've been given to guide you in these things and trust in Jesus. And if you know you're not doing that, get in touch with me. We need to talk. We really need to talk. And if you don't want to talk to me, you need to talk to somebody. But you need to give your life to the Lord. Ask him to save you and he will. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these promises from Jesus. What a blessing it is that you have promised and that you have given your spirit that both convicts and transforms. Let us be transformed, Father, again and again, every day anew, as we trust in you. For anyone that does not, please work in their hearts now. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 
But I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Now, let me go ahead and say, too, if you are local to, to our area, we would love to have you tomorrow night. We are having our annual Christmas dinner. It's an informal time where we're going to get together in Providence Hall. It's a covered dish meal. Bring a dish if you can. If not, it doesn't matter. There'll be plenty of food. Come anyway. We would love to have you because we're going to enjoy and if y'all have never had one of these covered dish deals at Old Providence, whoo, my goodness, you have no idea. I mean, it is marvelous, marvelous food. But we're going to have wonderful food together, a time of fellowship. We'll sing Christmas carols. I'll say a very few words, and I really do mean that, a very few words. But I'm excited. It's just one of those great times of the year to be at Old Providence. And if you're local, I invite you. Now, um, outside of that, I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7. I see we've got Rose. Good morning. And there's Elizabeth. Good morning. And Christine and Becky. Let's see here. Good morning. You're at Smith Mountain. Doug Marsh is here with the boys, Tree Company crew. I, you're the cook. Man, you better be cooking a lot, Becky. And uh, tell Doug that I said hello and tell him to return my text. Um, he and I have a Waffle House uh, thing to go to before too long here. But Doug is my man. He's my main boy there. So good for you. And then I see the other Becky. Good morning. There's my friend Wayne. Good morning, brother. I hope that you are feeling better today. All right. Thank you all so much for being with me. May the Lord bless you richly. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 7, Lord willing.